Thanks for being here. Um, following the old rule that uh, tell folks what you're going to tell them, tell them, and tell them again. Uh, the central point that's that's critical for this city is that we have to have a change in culture and behavior, and we cannot arrest our way out of this problem. And I'll be more clear about that in the next few minutes. There's the question of rules and responsibility. Uh, I took the liberty a couple of weeks ago of calling the National Coalition for the Homeless and speaking with one of their staff people. And this is an organization that is the strongest advocate for homeless people in the United States. And I was told that there are really two approaches in this country. There is what was referred to as the West Coast approach, and then there's the Boston approach. Both approaches are characterized by compassion and understanding for homeless individuals. But while there's great protections in terms of rights, uh, in terms of the Constitution, when you look at the West Coast cities, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, there are virtually no rules, there is no accountability, there's no responsibility. Boston is very different. Boston has rules and responsibilities, and it's very clear that we are emulating the worst model possible, which is this West Coast model. And I've been to all three cities, uh, two of them just in the last two months, and have personally seen what has happened. And unfortunately, if we don't take action, what will be our future as a community? Um, by the way, Portland, another politically correct city, uh, has recently decided that things do need attention. They have introduced new ordinances in that community, and we in turn uh, are modeling some of our proposals on what Portland has done, and this will be introduced at the City Council for referral on Tuesday. A couple of weeks ago, the city employees in the parks office downstairs opened their windows to get fresh air. 30 seconds later, they closed them. The stench from the urine and the feces was too overwhelming. This is a responsibility that goes not just to uh, the homeless individual, but also it goes to those who support the homeless community and provide them with a lot of their needs. So if you come from Fitchburg and you provide food to the homeless community, you're going to have the responsibility to clean up any public defecation and urination. If you come from Madison's Far West Side and provide bedding, you have to make sure that the individual has a safe, legal, secure place to sleep or provide it yourself. 
If you're on the east side and provide funds or goods that can be converted to cash, you must ensure that it's not used for the purchase of drugs and alcohol. And if it is, take responsibility for the cost of conveyance to detox. In this past month, we had a female recently arrive in Madison, taken into custody by the Madison Police Department, and the syringes found in her possession contained meth. In the past month, a new male arrival of less than four weeks, who's now in custody for a sexual assault charge stemming from an incident on the western edge of the campus, is just one example of the dangers that are posed by present policies. And we've had several individuals in the past month charged with various forms of assault. If you're going to engage in activities that encourage more dangerous and unhealthy behaviors, be prepared to reimburse the public. We have simple police and fire calls. Yesterday, we had an individual misbehaving, violent, facing arrest, and what he did was he started screaming, I can't breathe. The moment he did that, our police officers had to call fire department, which dispatched an ambulance. The ambulance dispatch probably cost about $1,100 for the conveyance, and I don't know uh, what happened at the emergency room at the hospital, but these kinds of costs of thousands of dollars per incident are occurring many times every day. These are funds that could be spent on homeless children and families. These are funds that could be spent addressing the needs of early childhood development, helping to close disparity gaps. There are two approaches the West Coast, West Coast approach and the Boston approach, we've got to make a decision. But unfortunately, since the city council has taken the approach of trying to arrest our way out of this, saying that the solution lies in ordinances and arresting people for violating the ordinances, that is the focus of our attention. It is not a practical long-term solution. But if we're told that we have to handle this by arrests, arrests of individuals who couldn't care less about the consequences and oftentimes are released onto the streets quickly, we will prepare, introduce, and get adopted additional legislation which will at least make it easier for the police officers who, like the parks employees who clean up every day, and I suggest those of you who haven't, go out between 6 and 7 a.m. and watch a dozen parks employees cleaning up, trying to work around, passed out individuals who refuse to move, 
remove their their possessions and see what is happening where these resources could be used elsewhere and more productively in the city. The real solution, and this goes back to what we said in this room two years ago, is to change the culture. The culture starts on the steps of this building. We can recall a time when there were a half a dozen individuals downstairs and no one was sleeping on the steps of the building. Now we have 20 and 30 people a night. We have tents being pitched. We made efforts to accommodate the need for individuals to relieve themselves. So what did we do? We put out porta potties But they aren't being used. And if they are being used, they're being used for drugs and for sex. There was the question of people's possessions and how to store them. So we took the initiative and we provided a safe space, what we thought was safe, behind the municipal building. And before we knew it, it was being used for sex, for drugs, for people to relieve themselves. And some individuals, despite all that going on, chose to sleep in the unit. Madison's transient drifter population is growing every week. There's some people in denial about that, but for those of us who are on the square and around this building, day in and day out, even those who come down once every couple of months can see the dramatic change that's occurred. This is not a city without compassion. This is a city that has under construction right now a significant number of units for the chronically homeless. This is a city that's made a commitment on top of everything else it's done over the years for close to $25 million on a combination of housing opportunities for chronically homeless individuals and for families. But we've created a circus atmosphere where anything goes, and the refusal to adopt rules and controls on this building, as predicted, spread to the other side of the square at State Mifflin and Carroll Street. It's jeopardizing businesses in those locations. It's jeopardizing the safety of people of this community, and it's moved throughout the downtown area. It's taken an incredible commitment of resources to deal with it. There has been some improvement from the 200 block of State Street up to the 600 block. But it is an expensive commitment. It's one that's draining resources, as I said, from parks and from the police department as well as the fire department. And it still hasn't gotten to the fundamental issue of public health and safety. So, we will present new ordinances for referral uh, this coming week, which particularly deal with the issue of people sleeping 
in public and private places. Uh, it attempts to get at more stringent enforcement, but it does not get at the underlying problem, which is the culture of sending a message that you are welcome to bring your problems with no rules and no responsibility, and it doesn't get to the problem of well-intentioned people basically encouraging, not intentionally, but encouraging the continuation of these behaviors. Now, a lot of the problem lies with those who are responsible for the treatment of mental illness and substance abuse. Responsibilities that principally lie with the county and the state of Wisconsin. We have no control over that. But we've got individuals on the steps of this building who have repeatedly been offered housing, offered their own units. So I'm not talking about going to a shelter. And they have either refused it or they have sabotaged it. There is a failure when they continue to live on the steps of this building or on corners of the square. Someone who's responsible for mental health, someone who's responsible for substance abuse, someone who is responsible for what's most critical, involuntary commitment has to come forward and acknowledge these problems. Uh, chiefs here, city attorneys here, if there's technical questions about the proposed ordinances. You, you mentioned earlier something about anybody who is aiding these folks bringing up. Yes. I didn't see anything in the actual ordinance itself. No, that's not covered in the ordinances. Uh, though there are some cities who have put in language in ordinance, particularly dealing with food giveaways, which hold those giving the food responsible for the environment that is created from the free food giveaways. One, do not give money. Two, be cognizant of repeated gifts of items that are fungible and can be turned into cash, drugs, or liquor. If you want to give, give to an organization that specifically provides housing and shelter, specifically provides uh, services, therapy. That's where the effort should go. And for those who are doing some of these things I described, that's what they should be doing as a continuation of what they are doing. Um, Mr. May, can you just walk us through kind of the, the ordinance and what's being proposed? Sure. Um, um, we were asked 
to look at ways of further regulating what people do in the public rights of way and sidewalk. We looked around the country at various cities that had adopted some things. <clears throat> this primarily comes from something that came from the city of Honolulu. They identified their business districts where there was a high pedestrian traffic. They identified that they had a problem with people lying and sitting in the sidewalks and public right-of-way that was keeping other people from getting to their businesses. And they enacted ordinances that limit the time, or limit when you can be sitting or lying down on the public right-of-way. So that's the main um, portion of the uh, first two part, or first uh, section five of the ordinance, I'm sorry. Three and four relate specifically to public benches. As you know, we've had problems in this city with people occupying public benches essentially days on end, not just hours. Um, and so this was one that simply says, if you're going to use a public bench during the hours when businesses are open, you stay there an hour and you move on, and you don't lie down on it. So those are two new rules that we have for public benches. Um, and finally, we adopted a provision just relating to parcels where there are city offices, which limit the ability to sit or lie down outside of city offices. And these are all limited to hours, basically the hours when the businesses are open. It starts at 5.30 in the morning, goes either till 11 p.m. or to um, 1 o'clock a.m. in the areas where there are uh, taverns that are open. <clears throat> um, the area covered, the central business district, is the same area as the panhandling ordinance uh, covers. That's where that uh, definition came from. Uh, the ordinance also includes a number of you know, findings as to the basis for what the city is doing here. Uh, it's an attempt to give the police department another tool uh, that they can use to try and, and keep the downtown a place that's open for people and works well. I think the mayor is absolutely right. This doesn't solve all the problems. Uh, it is a step that will uh, give the police a tool that, that can hopefully help doing that. out of the downtown area and find areas outside of here to sleep or be on benches. I, I, maybe the chief knows. I'm not sure we can... Pre in, Hon I'm in Honolulu, is there any evidence of that? Or is that um, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, okay. part, part of the reason for the limitation on the area is that you do run into legal difficulties if you say you can't do this anywhere in the city. So we designated a very specific area where we found the problems and said uh, not to do it here. I mentioned before we've had several people uh, who've been given placements and either refuse them or sabotage them. Every individual is going to have a choice. The choice is to go into supervised housing whether it's transitional or permanent, leave town or be institutionalized. It's that simple. And how would we provide the option for people to go into transitional housing? Well, we've already got 50 uh, units of permanent housing under construction. We've got more that will be coming in future years. And there's room at the shelters. There is room at Porchlight. And let's be blunt about this and let's not mince words. There's a reason why a significant number of people do not want to go to Porchlight and they do not want to go into permanent housing. There's rules. You can't beat up other people. You can't use intravenous jugs. You can't be drunk. The steps you're talking about, you've laid out, transitional housing, leave town, be institutionalized, 
is, I, I mean, I'm reading this, it doesn't strike me as that's going to be accomplished by this ordinance. You no, it's not. It's the only tool we've got because we don't have city and county officials aligned on a Boston model of simply setting rules of behavior. One of the things that was pointed out to me in the discussions I had was that when it comes to responsibility, when large numbers of homeless people, particularly those with drug and with mental illness issues, congregate, they reinforce one another's behaviors. And in so doing it, it makes it more challenging to get individuals into therapy, to get individuals to transition, to get individuals to accept housing placements. And we've already got that. Uh, I, I fear that when the housing we see under construction is completed, there will be quite a few folks who are going to refuse to go in there. in that housing besides just um, staying away from drugs or alcohol? They have to get a job? In the transitional housing, it's a requirement. When our housing first program opens, people will be accepted if they've got substance abuse problems and mental illness problems. And then hopefully from there we can work with them. But in the environment we've got here, which reinforces the behavior, like I said, I'm fearful that a lot of people are going to refuse to accept placement. Okay, well, I don't know if this is best directed at you or at Chief Kogel, but if you're talking right now, you, you gave an example of 20 to 30 people that are sleeping downstairs. If they are not allowed to be down there, do you anticipate them going to the west side of Madison, the east side of Madison, the south side of Madison, and if so, what problem does that create for other areas of the city? If they aren't able to congregate in large groups, my belief is that a significant number of them will either go into shelter, into housing, or they will go where they came from. They will leave town. Keep in mind, the folks that we're looking at downstairs who are taking up so much of the resources here and around the square. Most of these people are not recently homeless. You can, you, I mean, you can tell someone who's got the experience of years on the street. And you can tell that. We can tell. We've done interviews. Some of these folks have been here for years. Others are new arrivals. And they're new arrivals when you confront them and you ask them and you examine their history they didn't become homeless recently question I guess for maybe Chief Koval um, you know part of this it talks about letting people on a public bench for, for a period of an hour um, is that kind of a tricky thing because they, they can say okay well I was on that bench for an hour I'm going to move to this bench or this public area I mean, is that going to be a tough thing for your officers to enforce? It would be, and obviously you're looking at those people then that are chronically becoming the problem in those bench areas. Typically, once the sort of the rules of engagement are understood, and, and let's be clear, just like the mayor tried to 
to mention on his initial remarks, uh, we're not going to ticket or arrest our way out of here. Uh, we can't possibly hope that with another enforcement hook that somehow the problem will diminish and take care of itself. And, and no one's naive or suggesting to that extent. But to the point that it provides the officer then a mechanism for an intervention, an intervention doesn't always lead to those dispositions of formality leading to arrest or a ticket. Many times that can also be the, the intervention point where someone can actually say, are you hurt? Are you injured? What, when's the last time you ate? And it can also be an instructional uh, platform after we warn because everybody's not going to get this unilaterally. There's always going to be that, that touchstone of an intervention, a warning, and hopefully the, the inquiry will go further. But to your point on the benches in particular, yes, that has some, some challenges in and of itself. But we have enough officers who are patrolling downtown that we can monitor the situation. They're, they work eight-hour shifts, and they driving up and down or walking up and down or biking up and down in their police vehicles. They're going to be able to say who's been sacked out for some time and hasn't moved or budged. Because a lot of times we're checking those folks now just to see that they're still breathing. Transitional housing or getting out of town or incarceration. Um, is that something that officers will be offering then if you are encountering somebody a way to get into a shelter? Or well, I'd like to believe that even now the officers are looking at creative options other than those default switches of tickets and or jail. I mean, ultimately, it's uh, an inefficient use of the officer's time in terms of processing those folks because usually if you've got all your worldly goods with you, those are property. They have value. They have to be tagged, indexed, cataloged, along with whatever incarceration procedures you're subjected to over at the jail. So those are very time-intense and labor-intense. So it makes sense fundamentally from an efficiency standpoint that our officers take a higher road in looking at there as a path of lesser resistance. But at the end of the day, when we have these chronic or habitual offenders, we do need to have a mechanism for understanding that these public spaces are shared spaces. And to the extent that you are taking more than your proportionate share of that allowable give and take room, uh, you have to be subjected to the same natural consequences as would others. Question for uh, Attorney May. Sure. Uh, is there any civil rights issues here that you foresee coming up? I mean, I could see the ACLU looking at this and saying, we're going to have a field day with this. Um, I anticipate that some people will make arguments on it. I think it's been crafted as carefully as we can to not be aimed at specific individuals or their status. It's aimed at actual behavior that people engage in. And that has generally been the uh, touchstone that courts look to in terms of uh, these sorts of things, that um, when you're regulating behavior that applies to all, uh, generally speaking, you have a much better chance than when you um, are exactly targeting certain individuals. So um, are there going to be issues raised? Absolutely. Um, I, mean, I think there are going to be a lot of issues raised uh, as this goes forward. We drafted it, we thought, in a very uh, careful way that we uh, we think and hope avoids uh, those issues being fatal. Do you expect the, the county council to go along with this? And yes. You, and when do you think it will be passed? Uh, probably won't be sometime till uh, probably October. And um, I've heard from, from you and Chief Cobalt, they can't arrest our way out of this right. problem. So, so I, I guess I, then what's the point? It's the only solution 
to try and stem the dangers that we face until uh, we get a responsible answer which starts with rules on the front of this building and then we apply them to other public spaces and we change the culture. As I said before, people who are supporting the homeless have got to take responsibility for the consequences of what's going on here. You know, I, I, I had a discussion with some advocates for the homeless when we found the, uh, the needles, the hypodermics, in uh, some grassy areas in the downtown area, an area where I personally saw children playing. And all they could do was respond with excuses. Excuses this, excuses that. I'm sorry. There are more people than 150 chronic homeless populating the downtown area. There's 250,000 people in this city. There are children playing. There are health concerns. There's resources being drained every day, not just police and fire, not just parks, that could go into great needs in terms of the challenges of disparity in this community. It's when everyone gets aligned on a simple message and it doesn't have to wait until we get all the needed housing constructed. It has to be a message about what is acceptable behavior. And we're afraid to give that. Just want to make one observation in conclusion. I'm in this office. Every day I look out the window and I see the two benches across the street in front of the municipal building. I can look down on the entrance to this building. I can't recall in the last year a single time when I've made that visual observation where both benches across the street are empty and I can't see anyone or any goods looking downstairs. I don't know where everybody's gone today, but today is different than all the others. Did you just look outside? Just looked outside. He tells me when they're out there. Trust me. <laughs> just a, uh, one point of clarity. I know this says, it talks about any uh, city building or any city office yes. property. Does this building is counted? Because is this is partially a county building too. So would that apply to the CCB? Our, our city ordinances... Number six is specifically designed to apply to the CCB. So any parcel of the land. The county has no say over that. Parcel of land. Well, the county and the city have an county and the city have an agreement as the owner of this building to establish rules and policy that govern the building. The city is acting in its role as the city regulating for the public health and welfare, um, which is totally different than what owners can or cannot do. So, um, in terms of the city adopting this ordinance, no, this is the city adopting an ordinance that the county as owner of this building doesn't, doesn't have any say other than to come in and lobby on it. Um, an example might be that uh, if you own property, you can let somebody come in and camp on it. You can say it's okay with you, but if it violates a city ordinance, 
you and or the people who are doing that are going to get cited for it. So we are applying our uh, police power to protect the general welfare to the area around this building or any other city building, that, uh, uh, any other parcel where there are city offices. So a few, excuse me, a few months ago, uh, you sent the email. <coughs> Sorry. Um, telling homeless individuals downtown to come to the city county building instead of those other places. Why now are you kind of taking this route um, of not wanting them there? No, I want them there. I want rules. I want responsibility. That's the issue here. That's the issue on every block from here to the base of the campus. And let me just mention that the 700 block of State Street is becoming a real challenge. Um, let, me, let me just, you know, not every morning, but frequently when I come into work and I've made this trip uh, between, well, once or twice at 4.30 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and I examine the, the whole area. Sometimes I'll go around twice. And there's fluctuations. Overall, the trend this year has been worse. In the last week or two, the situation from Dayton and uh, where, where, where Dayton Street touches State Street, going down to State and Lake has been better. We've had some bad moments on North Francis. Um, but overall, the problem is getting more and more serious. The issues involving the hypodermic needles and the drug use, the sexual assaults. We've had even domestic assaults in these circumstances. Cannot be tolerated. I repeat, we cannot arrest our way out. But as long as we've got council members saying there's ordinances, enforce them, that's the solution. Having the right ordinances and doing our best, as costly as it is, is all we can work with. It's a matter of public policy to really solve this problem. We have to take what I call the Boston approach. We have to take an approach where not just the homeless but those who support them, providing them with goods, recognize a responsibility in terms of behavior. And we've got to get away from this denial that we are a magnet from people, for people coming from around the Midwest and around the country, where the word is out about how easy Madison is. You get food, you get bedding, you get clothing, you get a 10-speed bicycle, you get all that you need, which means you've got a lot of other resources for liquor and for drugs. Those of you who've been in this office when that screen is on, know that there's a photo that was taken at the base of this building with a vodka bottle a giant vodka bottle. Bottles like that are picked up every morning. 
Now, when you have wholesale violations of the law, arrest is not a solution. We've got classic examples of that here in the city. Halloween. Mifflin Street block parties. You cannot arrest enough people and stop the behaviors. You have to change the culture. Thank you.